Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Ascension of the Chessmen. Diving into the esoteric, occult, spiritual, and conspiratorial aspects of life. Focused on solutions to the problems we face in our everyday lives. Let us ascend above all differences. Let us be the light in darkness. A breath of fresh air to those who can hardly breathe. And together, awaken into greatness. This is Ascension of the Chessmen with your host, Andre Mitty. Welcome to the Ascension of the Chessmen podcast. I'm your host, Andre Mitty. Today's guest is a spiritual seeker, industrial designer, and an all-around awesome human being. Ladies and gentlemen, hobbits and fairies, give a warm welcome to Birch Driver. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for bringing me on the show, Andre. Hey, thank you, brother. It's really an honor. I really love uh, what you're putting out into the world and, uh, you know, the light you're bringing into the darkness and, you know, um, just, you know, giving a message to people that, um, you know, all hope is not lost and we can find inner peace in this world. And uh, yeah, man, I love what you're doing. Thanks, man. Uh, It came from, uh, it's been burning a hole inside of me, you know. Mm-hmm. And talking to friends and family doesn't do it, right? Yeah. Because you just drive them away, really. Yeah. And so it was a long time coming, all of this stuff. I thought I had it figured out when I started recording, which was two years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, if you listen all the way through, my show is kind of a series. It's not necessarily a weekly thing. Uh, it's more like a book on tape. Mm-hmm. And then I just keep kind of, uh, kind of clarifying Uh, points actually after every time I record I realize oh this needs more clarification but um, yeah it was just something that is kind of coming through me you know in a way and and a lot of people are talking about uh, the same thing so I mean I don't know it's uh, you just gotta say it otherwise it'll burn a hole in your body you know what I mean yeah (laughs) it'll burn you alive yeah yeah just that desire to, you know, find that purpose, find that meaning, you know, know that you are here for a reason and um, you do have things to share with people and, you know, tapping into those gifts you've been given and uh, yeah, just using them to your full potential. Yeah. And uh, you know, you can't take credit for a gift, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because they're given to you. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) paradox (laughs) but uh it's uh it's something that uh you know you can't really uh uh, put a measurement on what you expect to happen when you do these kinds of things you know and so it's like when you say you find your purpose it's like i don't even know i don't even know if this is my purpose right Mm -hmm. it's just something that has you know that little voice in your head basically saying um, you know, if you don't listen to that voice, it stops talking to you. Right. So it's like those, that last little whisper, 
right? Before it's too late, it's like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then that whisper got louder, you know, and it started to, you start to be able to actually talk about things without um, placing an expectation on what happens when you say it, you know? Yeah. I'm getting that feeling too, man. It's like, it's like, you know, that old adage practice makes perfect, but just having the experience under your belt of just talking openly, being able to speak your truth, you know, throat chakra blown open, you know, just crushing it. And, uh, I feel like, you know, you just get into that flow state where you're not thinking about, oh, I'm supposed to sound this way, or, you know, I expected it to be this, this done this way. And it went this way. And yeah, just not being so hard on yourself. Cause it's like, we can be hard on ourselves for being hard on ourselves. You know, it's like (laughs) (laughs) the meta, the meta hard on yourself. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm kicking myself. Fuck. I shouldn't be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, damn. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah, man. For uh, those who aren't familiar, can you explain what it is that you do? And I guess what woke you up to realize, and maybe there's more to this life than you originally taught or thought. Yeah. I mean, it goes back a long way. I think for a lot of us uh, who are on this kick where we're trying to look for the truth, you know, we realized at a young age that, uh, something wasn't right. Mm. Right. Like the, there was all this awesomeness, right. But there was also all this stuff that happens. And, you know, as a child, you're like, that, that doesn't need to happen. Right. It's like kids don't want other kids necessarily right, to suffer. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. But, uh, yeah. So it was like at a, at a young age and, uh, I was, you know, kind of a freak always since I was a little kid, you know, always an outsider, always asking to be involved, you know, and, and when you ask, then it doesn't seem real, you know, yeah. <laughs> because it's almost like, oh, he's asking to come in instead of us inviting. Right. Mm. So anyway, it's like I have always been kind of on the periphery and that has allowed me a certain uh, vantage point that uh, wouldn't be possible if you're like everything was roses, you know what I mean? Right. And so as a young person, like growing up in Taos, uh, I was a child of uh, hippies, I guess you could say. I mean, straight up hippies. Uh, wow. My dad was in Vietnam. And that's when his realization came is like, everything's bullshit. He didn't about face when he came back and basically became a hippie and uh, moved my older brother and me and my mom to New Mexico and joined a commune here in uh, northern New Mexico called Llama Mountain Commune. Wow. And so it's like we have this background. Of, uh, but then immediately that was destroyed, right? Because the hippies weren't ready for what they were trying to do yet. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But I don't know if we're ever ready. This is kind of what yeah. I want to talk about today. It's like, yeah. is this thing solvable or is it just going to go on forever? And if it mm-hmm. goes on forever, then what is what are we doing? Right. Like what actions really matter if it just continues the process forward to whatever is going to happen to us? You know, it's like, for me, I think there's a limit to our behavior on the, what we're doing, you know? Yeah. And that's, but also, that's also the message that is being driven down our throat right now. Right. Which is the carrying capacity and, you know, the damage to the, to the ecosystem and all that stuff. So 
Yeah. So what brought me here is like, I just wanted to find out. I wanted to find out what we knew uh, and what I could do, you know, to do something. And so I was always had these grandiose ideas about trying to change the world, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I want, I was fascinated with history. And so I went into paleoanthropology after I graduated from high school, Mm. went to UNM, you know, I was on a scholarship and all that. And I did two years in paleo. And uh, one day I was in astronomy class for an elective and I saw a picture of something in space that reminded me of my, my, my ninth grade science project which is about folding space. I basically did a, uh, a conceptual science project that basically said that you could fold space near a black hole, you know? Wow. <laughs> and that was my ninth grade shit. And it was, That's so it's like, I've always been like interested in, um, if you're going to zoom down to, you know, the most basic part or what is it that makes this universe up or, and if you're going to zoom all the way out, you know? Yeah. I find that, that zooming all the way out and zooming all the way in is almost the same thing. Um, so yeah, degree in physics. And then at the end of my, did I tell you I switched my degree to physics? So I switched it when I saw that picture in astronomy class Oh shit. and, and just, I'm like, I'm switching to physics because I think that this is where we can actually make a difference. But also I wanted to find out a foundational knowledge that humanity has stored, you know, yeah. but, our physical knowledge, but also for spiritual reasons too, because being raised kind of as a hippie and being influenced by my father and all of these Eastern thinkings that infiltrated the hippie mindset. Yeah. Um, I was like quantum mechanics, man. I was like, I, I got to find out what's going on with this. And, you know, it took yeah. two and a half years to actually get into that class. <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah, I'm taking all this math and, and all of these, you know, earlier courses on the history of physics and all this stuff. And then finally get quantum mechanics. And it's a, and it's radical because I'm in class and I'm saying, so you're saying that we're talking about entanglement in class, right? Mm. So you're saying that uh, action at a distance happens uh, with no time in between that um, the cause and the effect, right? So Mm. it's basically, if you have two entangled particles, if you change the spin on one, the other is instantaneously the spin changes on the other. And I was like in class and I was like to my teacher, I was like, y'all don't find this fucking crazy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you don't know. That's like, and there it was just like, nah, it was a stone wall, you know? And we're in this class, quantum mechanics, crazy. We're in a class that is 360 chalkboards. Right. Yeah. And our chairs have a swivel. So wow. the, our instructor starts writing equations on one and then we just rotate around oh, wow. just filling our notebooks with equations and then by the end of class, the whole room, 360, is filled with equations. Jeez. So, I mean, it's, I, I, it's just kind of meandering a little bit. But, like, what brought me to this is just, like, I want to find out what's up. Yeah. You know? And so I went into physics and I got all that. And then I went into industrial design because I'm like, imagination is actually more powerful than going through an academia setup if you want mm-hmm. to create something new. You know, so yeah. switch completely over to an art degree from a science degree. Wow. And then did that. And then, so while I was at art center in Pasadena, uh, just realizing that, uh, the means of production, um, the way that we make things is out of our hands. Right. Yeah. And all the decisions that are made are, are made by a few individuals. Yeah. And all of those decisions are, 
profit driven, you know, and, you know, I mean, we all know this story. It's fucking crazy. And so I'm just like manufacturing needs to be completely redone. And so I had all these ideas about that. And that was 20 years ago. Wow. And, uh, and then actually looking into, so how do we make a difference in society? We have to zoom down into what started organization in the first place. Mm. And that's my idea is basically is that value is like an attractor. Technology mm. is an attractor, right? So the first stone tool um, is such a value jump that it attracts everyone else who witnesses its effectiveness, right? And so in order for that technology, that knowledge to, to continue, you have to share it because it's not an isolated thing, you know? Yeah. And so we have this organization comes from um, an attraction to value, right? Mm. And so my whole idea was, is that if we want to actually make a difference, we got to go towards what is actually motivating people. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> that's brilliant. does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where I kind of also, I started this podcast. I was like, okay, there's actually a way we can redo uh, the means of production, right? Where we can yeah. decentralize the means of production, bring it back into the people's hands. And it's a difficult subject to talk about because it suddenly sounds like communism. You know, mm. you say means of production and you're like, people just go like Marx, you know, because right. that's a phrase that he used all the time. Mm. But the thing is, is that human beings, that's what we do, yeah. right? For 6,000 years, at least, uh, we've been becoming more and more specialized, right? So each of us have to do a component of a societal job, right? And so all of us together, it can't be done unless we all do our, our special job, you know? Right. And so we're all interdependent. Every radical innovation of technology makes us more interdependent. And it's mm-hmm. so obvious with the internet, yeah. right? It's like, it's a connect the whole world, you know, right. it implodes the whole world into, you know, a space that, um, you Power know, light right travels now. across it in, you know, in just 0.01 seconds, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so it collapses, and that's why I, I discovered McLuhan while I was in school. I don't know if you've heard of Marshall McLuhan. Um, I think I heard you mention him uh, in a recent episode. And, uh, yeah, you were talking about the medium is the message. That's something I yeah. want to ask you about. Yeah, and I, I think that there's a book written about McLuhan by another famous author and, you know, and he says, McLuhan, the title of the book is McLuhan is the only one who knows what's going on. <laughs> you know, and, and this book was written in like 68 or something. Wow. And so his whole thing is, is that everything that we make is a medium, right? Mm. And the medium is the message. And the message is basically always the same. But he goes into it in his Understanding Media, which is a very important book. A lot of people uh, dog McLuhan because they say he's hard to understand, but really it's just he's coming at it from a way it's kind of like negative space. When you look at a painting, you see the subject, but you don't see what it's in, you know? Mm, yeah. Right. And it's almost like McLuhan is saying, look at the negative space, you know, mm. instead of just the object, which is, you know, the technology, technological object. The medium is the message is basically that, um, that uh, that every object that we make um, transforms the um, scope and the scale of our interactions as humans. And it's an aggregate phenomenon, 
right? And so yeah. all of these things, when we talk about collective, is like it's an average, right? So mm -hmm. all of the individuals that make up society create an average uh, um, effect, you know? And I think that's where a lot of our issues right now stem from the, and it's this whole thing about the individual and the collective, right? So the collective is, a, is, a, is, a, is, is statistics. It's like all of us adding up together and the collective is kind of the lowest common denominator, you know, mm. of behavior. And so all of these outlier behaviors actually do nothing to combine to the aggregate of the total behavior of society, you know? Wow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, so it's like, you're, I mean, the first question is like, how did you get into this? And it's like, I want to find out what it is that we can do to actually break this cycle. Mm. So one of the things I talk about is Groundhog Day. Uh, we basically repeat the same cycle over and over and over again. Yeah. And I don't see that. It's like a spiral. It, yeah. And it gets, to, it's a spiral, but it gets to, a, it's getting closer and closer. And so the, if you look at it from above and project it down, the circle's getting smaller. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and my old thing about that, uh, <laughs> it's the Ouroboros. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because every generation, the snake eats a little bit more of the tail. Right. Mm. And that circle's getting smaller. Yeah. And so it's going to become a singularity. Right. Mm. This is what I argue in my podcast is the singularity is not when, uh, um, uh, artificial consciousness becomes sentient, right? The singularity is when we've actually run out of a tail or soul, or when we become machines, you yeah. know, where we become integrated with an AI fucking construct. Yeah. And it all, I mean, to me, it seems like the timeline is going there. All of those things will coincide. Mm. And to talk about, uh, it being this AI thing and it's a problem, um, I think is a misdirection. Mm. Like, I mean, definitely it's a problem. I'm not saying it's not a problem, but I'm just saying that AI is not the problem. The problem is, is us how we uh, use losing it how our we it. nature. Yeah. Know, machines. Yeah, I would agree. And I think it's a, a tightrope we're walking down, you know, like, uh, and how we use technology you know, um, you, it, it's like a tool, you know, you can bash yourself over the head with the tool or you can build something beautiful with it. And I think, you know, we got to be careful how we proceed in the future with that. And, you know, there's all this talk of humans living forever and, um, you know, all that stuff <laughs> where, you know, we're trying to escape mortality. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know, man. It's like, I'm, I'm open to all opinions on this because it's fascinating to think where we're heading. Um, cause it's hard to predict. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a, a student of Krishnamurti. Do you mm -hmm. know Krishnamurti? I've heard of him. Yeah. So I like his thing. His whole thing is like, uh, there's no gurus. I'm not your guru, right? Mm. You're your own guru. He's yeah. like, I'm explaining all this stuff um, in order to like help y'all, you know, right. but I'm not, I don't want you to follow me. I want you to comprehend what it is that I'm saying. Mm. 
And, you know, one thing that he says also, and we all say this is that words are a trap. And so if, if you use words, you're going to paint yourself into a corner yep. pretty much. And yeah. so you have to like do it in a, in a nuanced way, like mm. uh, with grace and um, finesse, you know? Yeah. And so that's what Krishnamurti does. He says, you have to remove all of the, your lenses, right? Mm. So a lot of us are walking around with polarized glasses, you know, the proverbial polarized glasses, yeah. where it's like you're going to see what your worldview allows you to see, and everything else will be filtered out, mm. you know? And so Krishnamurti is like no fucking lens, no mm. polarization, no nothing. And, uh, and so he's like basically saying um, that it comes down to who um, if you think, right, then you've identified yourself, right? And so you, there's no way anything new can come into existence by thinking because thinking is all based on the past, <laughs> you know? That's a Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, completely. And then also, he also mentions uh, um, <clears throat> general semantics. Uh, this is something I talk about a lot. It's Bucky Fuller's, one of uh, Buckminster Fuller's main things. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my heroes. And uh, Marshall McLuhan talks about it. It's like everyone talks about it. And it's basically saying general semantics is the word is not the thing. Mm. And the map is not the territory. And so when I say polarized lenses or worldview or whatever, this is our map, right? But right. it's not the territory. And so you're getting a limited um, view of reality. Mm. Like dual versus unity? Well, it's more like artificial versus actual. Mm. Because right. everything that we do is a map that is based on our past, right? Right. And so we update our map. But we only updated um, under duress. <laughs> you know, everyone's fighting to keep their map. Right. We're fighting really hard to keep it. Right. And, uh, and then being like, all right, you can live your life how you want. That's your opinion or whatever, you know? And that's why this stuff is really hard to talk about because general semantics, but it says that you can only, you can't use the word is. <laughs> that's what general semantics basically says is that everything only seems as it is right you can only mm. say that it only appears to be this way at mm. the moment right so and that's the only way that you can us. add to your knowledge because if you say this is how it is then how are you going to move beyond that mm. you know but when i was speaking about this before we started recording uh, this where you generalize where you move out right then you can say that there's some you can actually say that there's some truth there's some general truth there's some objective truth if it's not super specific <laughs> mm. so the idea i mean is this making sense or do you want to direct yeah, yeah. this in a yeah. way or anyway totally man i was just letting you go you were on a <laughs> you were on a killer spree there man of uh just dropping knowledge so i was i was Thanks. letting you go thank you brother um yeah no i i I uh, wanted to ask a while back, but I didn't want, want to interrupt you. Um, just what, what uh, growing up in a commune was like and, um, you know, the reason you saw that it failed and um, were you homeschooled as well throughout this? Because I see your brilliance coming out just from growing up around that, you know, 
not in the traditional cookie cutter house and, you know, perfect family, corporate job, you know, <laughs> public school, you know, totally different. And yeah, uh, if you could get into that deeper. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would ever, it's like I said, if you, if that is your kind of life, the way it, it kind of plays out like that in this good kind of, you know, good, you know, this is a good life kind of way, then you never question anything. You know? mm. Um, but this uh, whole thing about the hippies, right? So it was destroyed. My family was busted, like pretty much within a year of moving up onto the commune, you know? And yeah. so it's like, after that, it was like going to see my dad while he managed certain different things, you know? And right. he left the commune at that point too. And so, but it was still like, we we're still seeing the same people you know, on the weekends or whatever happened, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was just interesting with, with my dad because he had all of this philosophical knowledge mm. and I got a lot of that from him. And my mom was the more practical one because she was the one, um, basically bringing in the dollars, you know, cause yeah. my, my dad was, um, not there, not helping out. Wow. And, uh, my mom just made jewelry all day, every day, you know, in order to provide for the family. And in the eighties, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Like she put me on, I got to the ski race and all that stuff. Like I, I wouldn't have been able to do that if she didn't be wow. every week she was selling necklaces and stuff to um, the guests that came to our local ski area, you know? Wow. So, yeah. So I mean, the question, I guess, is like what it was like living on a commune is, is like, and I didn't realize until now, really, um, because I internalize all of those uh, hippie things, you know, like Earth First and, you know, all of that stuff was started back then, even before then, you know, mm. and it was all good stuff, quote, yeah. good, right? But then, you know, 1999, I'm like, I am the, I am that person right? Basically already indoctrinated into, I'm on the good side, right? right I'm on the good right, side because right. I could see all of the evil that was being done. Right. Yeah. And so I was full lefty, you know, and, and, you know, yeah. got in a fight with one of my students, not a fist fight, but just be he was like, you know what? My dad said that global warming's a hoax. <laughs> this is like 2001, you know, yeah. and I'm like, bro, come on. Yeah. But now it's like, I have a degree in physics. My favorite guy, my favorite physicist is Feynman, you know, mm. and in 75 or whatever, he, he refuted this whole uh, greenhouse gas thing. Right. Right. And it's, he's like, wrote a paper on it and then put it down. He's like, done, you mm. know, <laughs> and I, when I read that paper, I was like, oh yeah, it's like, this is all bullshit. Yeah. Right? We're fucking up the planet for sure, but it's yeah. the carbon is not how we fix it. Yeah. It's like people take it as like you're denying pollution. Yeah. It's like, no, pollution is definitely a real thing and a huge problem. <laughs> like, yeah. And we didn't make that. those decisions. We didn't make the decisions to save money by just dumping all of our excess material into the river. You know, mm -hmm. those were decisions made by some other people. And now mm -hmm. we are suddenly the ones who are taking the blame for all of this. And in a way we, we should be because we're the consumers, you know? Right. But um, play a part in it. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a way to fix it. That isn't this uh, maintaining the stranglehold on the means of production by the elite. Mm. Right. And maintaining uh, the parasitic extraction 
of the fruits of our labor from the exchange, right? Mm -hmm. This is how humans survive the exchange because we're not, we live in an artificial system, right? We're all specialists. We can't survive by ourselves. Mm. Um, So that whole libertarian argument, that's why I have a problem with it because they're like, go out and fucking hustle and make it work for you. Right. Like do it for you. Mm. But the ecosystem in which you do that is the exchange, which is everyone else. Yeah. Are you acting like you're just going out into nature and, and doing what is required to survive? (laughs) You know, you're interfacing with, with other people, right. Mm. With other people who are doing the same thing. And it just seems like that is kind of like, right. Um, we forget that the whole reason, the whole way that we survive is by exchanging value with each other and that right. there is no exchange without all of us. Yeah. And so, yeah. We all and this gets into that, the whole scarcity thing. If, if you wanted yeah. to, to go there, let's know. go down that road. Yeah. So if you had like a place to start with your idea about the scarcity versus abundance, what would it be? Uh, I was just thinking of, you know, all the fear and the consensus of the masses, you know, just in the collective consciousness and, you know, whether it's how we're going to fuel our vehicles, um, you know, how we're going to eat, if the grocery stores were to go out of business, you know, the, you're always hearing all this stuff about the, the, you know, the shipping and receiving the stocking shortages and, um, you know, there's just so much going on in every industry. Some level of fear is afoot. And um, I feel like there's got to be a way we can come together. And I, I, I've always said too, like we have all these different protests, like, is, is there any way like we could just find, find one, you know, common denominator underneath all these causes for each individual protest and come together under one cause of, you know, the, this is the way we, th- we should, uh, interact with each other and coexist, um, you know, in a place where we abide by certain principles or rules. And, you know, we have a consensus agreement that these are morally right. And this is morally wrong. And this is how we're going to act and live as human beings and hopefully live a thriving, fulfilling life. But how we achieve that. That's what I want to pick your brain about. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, uh, Hotep Jesus, uh, have you heard him? Yeah. So he's a brilliant man and I love all the things he talks about, but yeah. you know, I, I think that he's almost like fucking Hotep Peterson in mm. a way, you know, Jordan, Jordan, this whole Jordan Peterson thing. Yeah. Uh, which I, I have a problem with that guy, you know, a lot of great information and he helps a lot of people with their lives. Right. Yeah. And, but that's what I, I find though, is like, it's always about your life, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And what about the um, generations that are to come? Yeah. You know, exactly. if we just have a good life and die, and this wheel keeps rolling, then what about, we're, we're just going to come back, right? Because right. we didn't do anything, because yeah. this problem still exists. Um, I think that's circle. where we, we find this like 
thing where it's all about you, all about you having a good life, right? Mm. One, me, you know, when really rather than um, we, yeah, the, the, if you can have, you can do all these things that we're supposed to do as human beings living in this, uh, you know, this 4d realm, mm. you can, all of these things exist, all of the wonderful fucking aspects of being alive. But then there's also this dirty part that um, doesn't need to be there. And everyone acts like, oh, we need evil in order to come through the crucible and become who we're supposed to be. Like we need this uh, adversary. Mm. We need to overcome the adversary in order to, uh, I don't know, become enlightened, I guess, or like this is all part of it. Mm. And that's my big argument. My big argument is that actually society runs on an artificial polarity right it's a made-up polarity it's not a natural polarity and so it doesn't operate on natural law it cannot nature right we can agree that nature um is the constant exchange of uh, position by contrast right mm. can, can you, we agree can you explain that? that a bit position by contrast so it's like the principle of polarity, right, uh, basically says that, um, mm -hmm. that with every um, thing, there is there is the counter, uh, there is not its opposition, counter but its it. counterpoint, right? Okay. Um, and so the devil's wave, advocate. <laughs> like, I don't know, we could probably get at this if we just started talking about the seven principles, because um, yeah. uh, it's each one has its that is connected to another right all of the ones in between the first two are all properties of waves mm. you know and so when i think uh, when nature operates on 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 polarity uh, a real easy one to to grasp is is pressure difference right mm. so if we have low pressure it's gonna it there's a sucking effect right yeah and so it's because the density of material in that area is less than the surrounding area, right? It's a higher pressure. And so that the higher density will want to fill the lower density, right? Mm -hmm. And this creates a uh, motion, right? And we can see this everywhere. All of the patterns of storms on the surf in the atmosphere, right? Mimic uh, patterns that are much larger in scale, right? Yeah. And so we can see that it is these this uh, contrast that actually creates motion, creates movement. And to a consciousness, that is what we perceive as the passage of time. You know? mm. So what I'm getting at is that nature, natural law, runs on these uh, differences, right? These contrasts. Does that make sense? Like a, like a kind of natural push-pull? Um... Yeah. And we have positive and negative, right? right? And so on the small scale, that's what's uh, <clears throat> that interaction, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, I think the, so we have all this light and dark, everything is in rhythm, right? Right. So we've already talked about the first five, uh, I mean, <laughs> the, the middle five <laughs> uh, principles, right. right? Right. So I like to uh, put, vibration is number two so okay first one is mentalism we can get back to that later right all is mind yeah and and gender we can talk about that later but if everything is vibration everything is frequency right mm, yeah and, 
And so then the principle of correspondence as above, so below is totally uh, played out by frequency, right? Because mm -hmm. no matter at, uh, what wavelength, no matter what amplitude, you're going to have the same patterns as above, so below at whatever scale, right? Scale invariance, right? Yeah. So properties of waves um, um, adhere to that principle. Mm. <laughs> and so then... Uh, we have the next one, which is the principle of polarity. Is that right? Yeah. And then, and the principle of polarity is, is basically it's exhibited by the properties of waves too, right? Mm -hmm. You can't have a peak of a wave without a trough, right? Yeah. One defines the other. You can, one does not exist without the other, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, we can look at all these other polarities that we can recognize uh, and see the same thing, the same phenomenon. And it says in the Kaibalian that uh, duality is unity in disguise, right? Yeah. And there's a couple of different ways to look at that. You can say that, well, I'll just get back to that part, right? That it's like a scalar thing. But really it's like, we can't define darkness without knowing what light is. Mm. You know? We can't define another um, excellent and and relationship yeah. is, is, um, object and subject mm. right <laughs> you know? exactly um, so it's like a thing right an object is it a thing if it if is it not somewhere in space right mm. and then how do you define somewhere in space if there's not some reference point mm. right something right. to identify yeah you know? and so it's like object and background object or thing and nothing yeah are polar relationship one describes the other yeah right? nothing something <laughs> no thing yeah, right exactly it's, it's all it's based on like that there is the thing yeah so yeah so nature operates on these polarities this rhythm right mm -hmm. and so that's the next uh the next one's cause and effect but the next one is rhythm right which is a principle which is a property of waves right, right. so wherever you have a peak um, eventually the trough will have, will hold that position mm. and then it'll cycle back to the superior and then the inferior. Right. And it goes on forever. Right. A natural balance. Yeah. yeah. But, but the point I'm getting at is that society is an artificial, uh, creation. It's, it's, uh, something that, uh, I wouldn't, well, maybe I should call it civilization more. Right. Mm. It's an, it runs on a rhythm that isn't part of these other polarities mm. and harmonic. Yeah. And so it can't actually continue unless it has its own polarity. Mm. You know, that's a trip. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I get at is, is that people talk about um, when they study the hermetic principles, they're like, okay, yes, dark and light need each other to exist. They, can exist without each other right because if you only have dark then how do you even know what light is and vice right. versa right and the same with up down and everything exactly um and so there's this idea that one of the original polarities is also good and evil mm. right and there's this age-old battle of good and evil but to my mind that is the artificial uh relationship that runs civilization Mm. that runs our current incarnation of civilization which 
we could say that it started in Sumeria, right? Yeah. Because ancient Babylon. We know we have more previous to that, but right. after the giant cataclysm, this is the first civilization that emerges, and it emerges fully formed with lawyers, doctors, algebra, you know, mm -hmm. and accountants and all that shit, like just out of fucking nothing. Right. <laughs> and so this is um, what I'm saying is is that. And it's a jump right now, right? I'm trying to get to these, this scarcity um, definition of value. Mm. But uh, so if we say that it runs on an artificial rhythm, mm -hmm. then we agree to that rhythm, right? Right. We agree. And so whatever we agree to in offer. consensus, whatever we, to, we agree to on mass, you know, I, the majority, whatever the majority agrees to becomes operatively true in the operation of society, whether or not it's true or not. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right? Just that, whatever that makes sense. Right. So it's like popular. The masses is the reality. Yeah. And so whatever is, um, and that's what you said it right there. It's like truth becomes about a popularity index. Yeah. Right. And so, truth credibility becomes about how many followers you have mm. you know yeah you got a blue check mark by your head. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh we know that credibility is a fallacy right right because if you understand logic this is what blows my mind so much like it's like everyone's running off of credibility right and whoever is the most credible whatever they say is dogma right mm. but um if you know the principles of logic you know that the veracity of information is independent of source. Mm. <laughs> and so what we, what we have in our society now, and we've just been talking about it, is this basically, it doesn't matter what the truth is. <laughs> it just matters what most people believe. Right. And so we believe this about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We believe this thing, this most, you were just talking about, what is it that we can agree on, right? Yeah. And there is this thing we agree on something that is actually um, like, let's agree on something that actually does us good. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that, that. The creation of, of, of civilization basically is an agreement that we require to, we require the law of man or we will destroy ourselves. Right. Mm. It's like, we are basically broken from the beginning there's something wrong with us. And so we require this uh, artificial authority in order to keep us from destroying ourselves. Mm. Right. And another way, right. And so for that is like an evolutionary argument, right. From the physical, um, from the materialist worldview, right. Yeah. Which is basically, yes, we're animals, right. We're going to look out for number one always, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's just how we are. Family, it's our nature. Yeah. It's our nature right right and if you're um for example a christian right so materialists all believe this about us right this is the consensus belief that actually hurts us mm. right that we are that um our nature will destroy us because mm. we're um always going to take the selfish uh route does that make sense i mean does that follow yeah man Totally. Okay. Um, do, do you think that's just in our nature inherently? Like we're born with that ingrained in us before we were even programmed or it comes as we 
are, are raised in our childhood, whether it's trauma yeah. or the way we're raised. So if it's an artificial rhythm, right, that runs this, then it's a condition, right? Mm. We are conditioned to believe this about ourselves from day one, from mm. day one, right? That somehow that we are bad, right? Mm. Right. And that collectively on aggregate, we the, the behavior is always going to trend towards this selfish behavior. And so mm. it needs to be uh, curtailed and it needs to be governed, <laughs> mm. right? And so... <clears throat> this is the what we all agree to is like these modern atheists or these people who think that we're just meat puppets or meat bags that are there's nothing after we die you know? yeah like nihilism yeah and then but there's this other thing right where i can use the christians as an example and they have the same belief it's the same belief except that it's in this uh in the Different bible form yeah in the bible structure which is you're born into sin mm. <laughs> which is you're already born that. <laughs> right. But what does sin mean is just sin just means to separate. So mm. you're born separate from the creator. Right. And that you have, you live your whole life trying to get back with it. Right. Yeah. And that's just another artificial rhythm. It's like mm. that we are born bad. Right. So and that true, evil, evil and good yeah. is actually, this is what we agree yeah. to. And this is actually the rhythm that runs society. Mm. Right. But we can take it another, you know, like a more practical way to look at it. And so that people can maybe understand it more is to understand it as an, an offer, right? As a contract. Yeah. And a lot of people talk about the Old and New Testament being a contract. It's like right. a whole book on contract law. Yeah. Right? And so we're basically, when we leave the Garden of Eden, we're making a deal with the devil right <laughs> yep and that's right there in the beginning right. we're right. all born into sin because of that happening mm. you know and so we agree to it right right and on the other side of the materialist we also agree to it that it is necessary that being governed by an artificial authority is necessary for our survival and i think that's the the consensus that actually hurts us mm. Um, and so how did, uh, why do we agree to this? Right. Why do we agree? Why do we accept the offer? Right. And this is the whole thing that Mark Passio talks about. And with this natural law and the hermetic principles is if you allow you by accepting the offer, you allow evil to be done and you actually take the consequences for it, mm. you know? Yeah. And this whole definition of evil thing, we can get into it, but just pointing um, the finger at someone else rather than taking accountability and responsibility for your own part to play. Well, in it. It's more like that. We are all complicit just by taking part in this exchange that has been infected by this parasite that you could call Lucifer or the devil or whatever. Right. right. You know, this yeah. parasitic Demi thing. Demiurge. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's my whole fucking message is that, what we find are even the truth or community right now, we have everyone tribing up, you yeah. know, flat yeah. earth, mud flood, yeah. fucking spaces, fake. Um, so you know. many different subgroups. With right. Them. Yeah. And, and so, but we all, again, it's the same consensus. We're all looking at all this shit. Yeah. They're lying about everything. It doesn't right. necessarily mean that space is fake, right. <laughs> <laughs> but we can all agree that, that, 
that history, um, the way it's been told, right? Um, events happen for sure, right. right? You can see their archaeological evidence, but the way that we're told that history happens is a lie. That doesn't yeah. mean fucking One side reality of the story. is fucking a lie. That doesn't right. mean that the universe isn't the universe. Mm. But uh, this, the consensus is that, is that there's something wrong with us and we require this, right? And that makes us think that also that it's organic in a way, mm. even though it's artificial. And that that we have no other choice. Because it's like all we know. Yeah. yeah. And so that's Hotep Jesus. He's like, just fucking make sure you fucking got what you need, man. Mm. You know, make sure you survive this shit. And I'm like, well, that's the same fucking mentality. Yeah. Right. That is the selfish mentality. And so mm. if we if you're the last one standing and you're gonna rebuild civilization, you're gonna rebuild it based on that worldview. Right. right? Be the last one standing. Yeah, you better hope it's a good one because <laughs> it's going to affect the fate of the rest of humanity. And so I, I that's why I, I get frustrated is because we talk about all of these little things that we could do in order to save ourselves. Like we have to fight back. We have to create a, um, an offshoot civilization, mm. right? Um, but if anything that we do is involved with the current exchange, right? then that's just a move in the game, right? Mm. That's just accepting the offer to play. Right. So, you know, just um, refusing to accept these offers and, you know, just kind of going at it on your own, but, you know, inspiring others to do the same in a sense is what you're saying is how we combat this. Yeah. I, I actually don't think that I, um, I think we all, there's some truth to these things that Jordan says, right? Which is clean your room, right? Right. Which basically says, take care of your own shit before you start trying to clean up the world, mm. you know? And I think his message is like, make the system work for you. <laughs> right. Just right? accept it as it is. Yeah. And then by the time you get there, it's like, what else do you have to complain about? <laughs> It's all working for you. Right. People are still um, suffering. But I think what the real message behind that is, is not clean your room, clean your mind. Mm. You know? Yeah. And that's what Krishnamurti says. Mm. He's like this um, attachment to our psychological sense of self is um, what causes the problems, what causes the conflict. Right. And so if we can, everyone's this whole identity thing is really getting ratcheted up. And I was just talking about even in the truth movement, everyone's identified with a certain thing. I'm a fucking this or an I'm a that. Right. Right. But if you, um, right. Our ego, (laughs) our ego is our actually our life preserver in the sea of polarity. Right. Mm. Which is nature. Like the ego is necessary to keep you aware yeah. So you don't walk off a cliff. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I, I'm walking yeah. around. I'm ambulatory in this body. I got to pay attention. You know? Right. But everyone, you know, fast forward fucking thousands of years and you have modern society. Everyone's walking around like their identity is their life. Right. Mm. When um, their life isn't in danger, only their status is. Mm. You know? Yeah. And exactly. so this whole adherence, this, protection of a psychological sense of self 
yeah. this is who I am actually creates conflict. And so when I went on uh, Sam Tripoli's show originally with yeah. the seven principles, I was talking about this, um, which is that if you um, find a hill to die on, you know, or if you def def if you're going to defend a position, there will be an opposing position, mm. right? Whenever you make a declaration, right? This is this. You create the opposite fucking thing, which is mm. this. This is what happens, right? right. It's like you're and fully so, bought in, so you can't. You're losing your livelihood by giving it up. In a sense, well, more like it's this: you create a polar relationship that is defined by the other side, mm. right? I see what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> right. And yeah. so you can't exist. You can't have your identity without the other side. Mm. And so you're just preserving their existence by doing what you're doing. You know. Yeah. This whole thing with the left and the right and all that shit. It's been going right. on for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Yeah. And my whole argument is that the eagle versus the serpent is the first fucking false dichotomy. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, LaCroix, I love that guy, but he's like, yeah, well, it, the serpent's the good guy. It's like, it's good cop, bad cop, right? right. It's the same thing, except it's the older story. Yeah. Right? This is the older story. We still have the same thing. Right. Satan. And fucking God. Yep. <laughs> God's not separate from us. <laughs> yep. I, I I learned that um through working with plant medicine, just experiencing that directly of you know, feeling the power of what it's like to be the devil and the power of what it's like to be God and realizing, you know, there's aspects of each of those polarities within us and you know, learning to balance those and you know, use use them to um you know, benefit yourself so you can benefit others in a sense of like, um, just treating others as a reflection of yourself is my whole thing. Yes. But just coming to that realization that like your, your friend is not your enemy or like your fellow human is not your enemy. Yeah. Um, and I think that hits home, right? Like that one's identity actually is defined by the opposite right mm -hmm. that makes sense like yeah. we can agree that that actually is a phenomenon yeah totally. and so that's what i'm getting at with this whole false uh rhythm of civilization right this mm -hmm. artificial rhythm right is we could say it's good and evil and i actually heard one of your guests talk about it just i think it was one of your most recent no like five back basically saying um that if you're good is in if you're doing good in response to to um, some action that you perceive out there as evil, right? Mm -hmm. Then that's not good, right? That's just anti-evil, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And all of us running around in society who think we're good, right? Who right. identify as good on the good side, right? Um, have been tricked. We're part of the problem. <laughs> Yeah, part of the problem. They're paving yeah. the, you know, good intentions pave the road to hell. Yeah. And it's because they're responding to an external stimuli that was set up for them. <laughs> mm. You know, right. it's like all the good people are going to fall for this, like fucking hook, line, and sinker. Oh, yeah. No fucking problem. Right. You know, and so that's what we have throughout history is all of these external stimuli uh, 
setting us up to take action against, right? Mm -hmm. And so we define ourselves as this. And so this is the principle of Wu Wei, which is that superior, uh, inferior virtue, right, is overly concerned with virtuosity, which is overly concerned with um, basically the meaning behind the action, which is that you're going to combat something, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Inferior virtue is like a measurement. Look, I'm good, right? Because I'm doing this, right? Right. Um, superior like wanting, virtue wanting is not for your actions. Yeah. What was that? Like wanting credit for your actions in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a way to, but also like, this is like how when we, you give, you expect to receive back in a sense. Mm-hmm. But also, like, this is how we define uh, our meaning in our lives. You know, it's like this e- great evil has been done. And for us on the truther side, we can see, right? We can see that there's something happening here, right? And it's the culmination of thousands of years of planning, right? There's right. something happening. We can Definitely. see it, Definitely. right? Um, but what I, more what I'm getting at is, is that it's like you're measuring what you're doing um in instead of just being good right mm. so it's like it's a motivation to be good instead of just being good right and so the other part of that is superior virtue doesn't ever think about being good it just is good <laughs> yeah, yeah it just is mm. and so this artificial rhythm that society runs on it's like it's almost like it everything that is done is in response to a move that was already made, you know, and it just ratchets this wheel of civilization, the night, you know, down the road a little bit farther. And it doesn't actually do anything except lead us to the singularity, lead us to the point at which this cannot continue and it has to transform, either be destroyed or transform into something, you know? And my whole point is, is that it is an artificial rhythm. Right. And so if we play the game, if we accept the invitation to play, um, then we are in the game. Right. Right. And it just turns the wheel. It's actually an expected move. Right. Like they're, they made a move and they're like, it's your move, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Are you going to play? Are you going to play? (laughs) And we can't play. That's Mm. the only response. Yeah. Right. And so how do you not play? Um, The exchange is how we live. The exchange Mm. has a parasite. If we use that exchange, we're just feeding the parasite. We have Mm. to starve the parasite. So we create the original exchange that made us human in the first place. Mm. Because before civilization came on the scene 6,000 years ago, we already had hundreds of thousands of years of, of being, you know? And so there's something there already. To my mind, I think and this is one of the changes I've made with my outlook is that we don't need to evolve. We don't need to evolve. We're already fully evolved. We're only being yoked. We only have this power band stuck on us so that we can't go full power, you know? And if we were, you know, we give it all our juice, but they're taking a fucking portion of it right for themselves. And they're not doing anything to earn it except right being um accept dominate basically you know? mm. and so it's like yes 
we can't just like make it work. We can't just fucking have a good life individually. Right. <laughs> because what about our kids? So what about the next gen? Yeah. What about the next gen? Um, so it's a, it's a collective thing that we have to, we have to do this together. And that's what I'm trying to work on. But if you wanted to like, you know, if you had any questions, like I could talk about how the artificial rhythm is started through um, um, a projection of the scarcity of the availability of the materials that are required to uh, continue living. <laughs> right. And so it's an offer, basically civilization, right? Someone is holding a supply right. of something, right? And uh, it's in limited quantity, right? right. And uh, they basically make you an offer. <laughs> and they're like, it's limited supply. <laughs> yeah. And everyone wants some. Check it out. All your homies want are getting it. Oh, dude, dude, you better get in on this. Right. Right. Selling out, buddy. And that's what this is. Civilization is an offer of life. It's a version of life. Right. Mm. A fucking bastardized version of life. Right. In which most of you will be safe, but some of you will be sacrificed in order to preserve the rationalization for the artificial authority. Mm. <laughs> it can't continue unless it has the selling point, right? So if there's a limited supply of life and I'm holding the supply, right? Then death is going to be the thing that makes you buy, <laughs> mm. you know? Yeah. And, and so and that's when, so at first it's like, I think if you go all the way back in the past, it's basically threat of death is what is the motivator, right? To join mm. um, the organization, right? Mm. But as it's evolved over time, now it's just built into the system. And yeah. that's, this is the supply and demand system, right? Right. Um, so we act like money is a thing that was a natural progression in order because we were specialists. We're specialists. It's actually we kind of need it because how do you fucking trade one guy's job with another guy's job, mm. right? What's the equal trade-off there? You know, and so it's like, let's create a medium um, of value that we can exchange so that we can actually be more efficient about this. You know? Yeah. Right. So right that right there, I, that everything's fine with that. Right. Yeah. But there's a big problem. Right. Um, the exchange is a unit of life. Right. So money is a unit of life. Right. right. Energy. Yes. And if you're going to change the value of a unit, right, you're diminishing the life of human beings, mm. right? So if you're going to sell money, it's a supply and demand thing, yeah. right? This is debt. <laughs> if you're going to sell money, then you're going to stretch and compress that unit of life. And this is actually expressed onto the people themselves because this is the unit that they use to survive. Yeah. Right? So if you're going to sell money, then you're going to basically take over the value of someone's life, right? Mm. This is the artificial authority, right? This might be what evil is. This might be what locks us into this wheel of karma, right? Cause we agree to it. Right. <laughs> like the intention behind the printing of money and how that impacts, you know, 
once, once it's in our hands, it's like, you know, when you're cooking food for someone, you know, you put that magical ingredient of love in there and all of a sudden the cookies taste a little better, <laughs> whatever you cook up tastes a little better. It's like that mystery ingredient and it can be good or bad. Yeah. Um, but are you getting my point, brother? Yeah. Which is that supply and demand has to have the owner of a supply, right? Mm. Who benefits from high demand? Who benefits from a diminished uh, quantity of supply, right? The right. owner, right? Who owns life? Who owns life? No one does. Mm. Uh, we've submitted ourselves to this. And the only way to get out of it is not to play. Yeah. And so how do we do that? We have to have a ship to jump to because we mm -hmm. got to live, man. We got to right. live. Exactly. And so we, we build the infrastructure of the original exchange, the one that is the living exchange as opposed to the death exchange. Mm -hmm. The one we have now is run by artificial death, you know? Exactly. By death that is uh, caused by the system itself. And that death actually makes us want to re-up into the system because it's scary. Mm. So it's this crazy fucking circular logic. <laughs> and it just runs itself. And so my whole point is, is that basically is that there's this artificial rhythm and it's uh, locked in with a financial system mm. because debt... Um, you have to have a crash and a boom cycle with the debt. Otherwise money will be uh, worth nothing because it continually, there's going to be more money continually because people are living continually. <laughs> you know, you got to have this periodic culling in order to make uh, government uh, attractive. Yeah. And it's all built in. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that's where I get frustrated with our, our peers in the truth community is because we got to fight, we got to fight, we got to fight. <laughs> it's like, no, that's actually um, validating um, the other side. Right. Mm. And become, we become part of it. Yeah. Become yeah. more of part of the problem than where yeah. we started. And so I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. this is what I'm working on. I have an idea about how to do it, but it's like, um, you know, people starting these, the great bear network, all, have you heard of that? Yeah. Oh, and Benjamin's that guy's brilliant. Um, and yeah. you know, that stuff it's like, but you're doing that Owen, right? You better be right. prepared to add everyone. Mm. Right. Right. Equal opportunity. No, it's, it's not a breakaway civilization because that if you break away, then what is it? What now you're separate. Mm. <laughs> so it's more of the same, you right. know? Everyone needs to be included. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. And, and so if you're setting up a system like that, you have to be prepared for everyone to be added into it. Not yeah. just like this is our little fucking um, ideal society and you can't be a part of it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so how do we do this? Right? So Let's there's something that Malcolm uh, McDowell talks about the tipping point. Have you, mm -hmm. Malcolm? No. What's Sounds very familiar. I, I've heard Malcolm of the tipping point. Yeah, the tipping point, he's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. I, I read his books, before, you know, kind of 20 years ago, that tipping point and mm -hmm. a few others. But what he talks about is basically there's a, there's a threshold of followership um, 
that once it's reached, then your followers will grow exponentially, <laughs> mm. you know, and it's not just persons or their content or whatever. It's like product based too. Right. right. So how a, a product Word becomes a household name, you know, yeah. and it, it reaches this tipping point and then it just runs away at that point and there's nothing can stop it. And that's that whole thing about <laughs> the early adopters are the ones who are brave, right? The hipsters, right? I was right. into that before everyone else was into that. Yeah. I was the original. <laughs> <laughs> but it reaches a point at which it's like, oh, everyone else thinks it's good. Well, it must be good, you mm. know? And so I think that's the kind of thing that has to happen here. But it's, but it, then it's the same thing again, which is a popularity index, right? Mm. And so people have to be able to understand to comprehend what is the objective truth. Like, is there an objective truth enough to actually form a consensus that is universal? Mm. And man, it just seems like the new program that's being installed right now is that there is no, that truth is unavailable. That everyone's right. entitled to their own truth. And uh, yeah, then you a just- slippery slope. Yeah. And so then it becomes that (laughs) whatever is the most popular becomes the truth again. Yeah. (laughs) Same dichotomy. So how do we get to a point where we can actually create an organization that won't be corrupted, right? That won't uh, exhibit the groundhog day effect. And it is, it requires this psychological uh, realization because Mm -hmm. it's not, I don't think it's a path. It's just, you realize it, right? And then suddenly you don't, the way you operate in the world is not going to be that uh, I'm going to get mine. Mm. You know, it's like, I'm going to make sure everyone's okay. Right. <laughs> you know, but how do I do that? And, and then, you know, another thing that I was getting out there is like, yeah, if we have a part portion of the civilization that has figured it out and, um, and the rest are still the rest of us. Yeah, the rest are still stuck. <laughs> Most of us are fucking hand to mouth, you know. Right. And when the supply chain does shut down, um, it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah. It doesn't matter how awesome your little community is, uh, the mob is going to find you, right? <laughs> mm, exactly. And so, but that's not who we are, right? If we believe that's who we are, then that's who we become, right? It's like at a meeting of gangsters, right? Mm. Um, whoever draws down first creates a cascading chain reaction that can't mm. be stopped, you know? Yeah. And that's the way everyone's looking around right now. It's like, who's going to draw first? Who's yeah. going to make a rush on that toilet paper first? <laughs> you know? <Good> example. <laughs> <laughs> and so that is like the condition that everyone is operating on. This is the consensus that everyone has. That yeah. This is how we are. This is our nature. And that there's nothing that can be done about it except for to be have some kind of uh, authority come in, you know, with overwhelming force. I I, I was just speaking on this last night with some friends um, about, you know, if we were to create something new that we can all agree on, whether it's codes of conduct or, you know, just modes of behavior to operate in this realm, you know, and, um, deconstructing the old system, whatever it may be like creating this new thing, we can all agree on We're we're living in this way. Um, you're saying, um, what was I trying to get at? So like, um, can we all just agree on, you know, certain understandings, but, um, 
I think those who are still attached to the system in the way you're describing, you know, like dependent on the system, do you think slow playing it would be the way to go and not just jumping right in, you know, to where we're completely off the system tomorrow versus a slow unplug from it? Yeah. Um, like a 10 year <clears throat> thing. So the, the urgency is there, right? Like it feels like there's an urgency. Yeah. But at the same time, every generation was like, it's the end. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something on. special about this one because of the technological aspect of it. It's like mm. our way of being is incompatible with this uh, um, rate of technological growth, right? Mm. They can't go together, right? Right. Um, so yeah, there's, we don't have a lot of time, but I think we have some time, right? We don't have to just be like um, this, some crazy radical thing, but I think does, it has to include this all at once kind of aspect yeah. so that um, it is decisive. Mm. So it's more like we all, um, I use the analogy of playing hearts. Have you ever played hearts? Yeah. Where you're going to shoot the moon. Right, you're going to take all the tricks. Remind right? me, it's been too long. <laughs> so the idea is to avoid getting hearts in your tricks. You take the tricks, but you don't want any hearts in it. So at the end, when the game is over, you count all of the hearts in your tricks, and that's your negative score. Right? Mm, if you okay. have zero trick, right. zero that's hearts, right. then that's you're right. winning. Right? Yeah. But the, there's the opposite. You can take all the motherfucking tricks. Right? You can mm. take all the hearts. Right? And that's called shooting the moon, and it's really hard to do. Mm. Right? And you have to pretend like you're not doing it, right? Mm. At the same time. Sneaky. Yeah. And so basically you have to hold out until the end. And then all of a sudden no one can stop you, right? Mm. No one can stop you from doing it. You're going to take all the tricks because you have all the high cards, right? Mm. So that's the idea is that we shoot the moon on this, is that everyone knows that we're shooting the moon, right? But we're not going to give it away, right? We're not going to put a target on this until the right moment right and then we all pull out and then this is the new exchange not the new the original right mm. the one that is uninfected mm. right the one that is free the one that is about living and not about dying right because mm. what we have right now is like we have all these people talking about our birth certificate right right <laughs> right and how they get us that's basically our agreement into the fucking system right right yep bond and, uh, stock but it's and all that but it's basically you're already dead mm. right your whole life is 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 whatever you create gets is already accounted for in the business model mm. you know it doesn't matter what happens in your life <laughs> mm. which kind of you know points to what i was talking about before it's like you you can do what you think is all this good stuff right yeah but if it's in the game then it just advances the wheel <laughs> yeah. and you didn't learn like it's you don't this whole karma thing isn't about coming back to get paid back for what you did in the past it's mm. about just learning <laughs> right to to actually i mean they talk about uh, earth as school as a school right right for our souls to come to to be refined enough in order to have a higher level existence right mm. but that's fine I don't think the uh, the parasite is necessary for earth to be a school, you know, right. you come here to actually 
um, yeah, curtail Pat- yourself so much, right? Curtail in a body, right? That you have to understand the principles in order to be created, you know? Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. uh, you know, Passio talks about, God, just escape me again. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> it's one of those days, man. Um, oh, that's cool. uh, suffering, suffering doesn't need to be necessary. Like that's a common myth is like, we need to suffer to become enlightened, you know, Yeah. which is a myth. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Would you agree? Yeah, I, I agree completely. Yeah. And um, it's all in our mind, you know, Yeah. right? all of the suffering we create for ourselves. Mm. Um, so true. And, it, and it's all of these measurements based on the societal, uh, what is right or how you live a good life in society. Right. And these are all uh, major indoctrination roads that come in on us, you know, as soon as we are born. Yeah. 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 Um, like h- how do you, how do you go about um, creating this? Like, do you think, I mean, um, I watched uh, the Thrive 2 documentary, which I think shines light on a a lot of great things that are happening um, as far as renewable energies and, you know, uh, infinite energy we can tap into um, Mm -hmm. that would be free to everyone. You know, the Tesla stuff. Um, Do you think um, like the, the greed can be overcome and the system that's set up can be overcome if enough people can see this or like, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I can see that happening. And it's related to your previous question, which is how do we, uh, is it a slow or is it all at once? Or um, how do we do this? And what was your question again? (laughs) Uh, Just, uh, you know, talking about, um, you know, just how we're going to structure this abundant society versus uh, this uh, scarcity society of, yes, you know, yes, 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 free energy. Yeah. As far so, as yeah. Like, energy, do you think we'd even need transportation and what form, you know? Yeah. So part of my big idea is, is that we create a, uh, a subscription model, basically, yeah. for technology. I like that. And uh, so and you begin with the eight categories of products that are necessary to survive. And uh, which are, you know, it's like uh, nutrition, hydration, um, uh, communication, uh, transportation, energy, shelter, uh, and clothing, mm. right? And art. And so art kind of un- umbrellas all of this stuff because art, artifice, artifice, artificial, mm. right? Yeah. People forget that art is this artificial process of creation, right? Mm. And it's actually, um, technology isn't, like we were saying, it's not a bad thing, right? right. It's part of who we are, right? It's yeah. part of how we become who we are. Yeah. And so... The extension of uh, us. Yeah, and so part of the big lie about the whole scarcity thing is that, 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 that there isn't this energy that is available uh, everywhere, right? That you have to, <laughs> it's hilarious, our energy that we have right now, it's just pressure difference, man. It's like, you know, we have a nuclear power plant and they're just boiling water, man. Right. It's a boiler. It's just right. a fucking boiler, right? It's fucking sad, right? The efficiency is absurd. Mm. And uh, 
so yeah, there's other things that have been suppressed for sure. And if we had energy, um, the way I think I am certain it's possible, right? Yeah. That um, this, what people call the vacuum is actually the ether, right? Mm. And it's filled with these, it's like a, a structure that has a magnetic and an electric component. Yeah. And it's like magnetic universe stuff. Yeah. And that's how light propagates through it. It's actually a medium. It's not a nothing. Right. And so Maxwell's equations say that the magnetic, the magnetic pulls the electric right Mm. forward. And that's how it propagates through the vacuum. But if you look at it from the ether standpoint, right, is that there's this horizontal component of magnetics in that, in the ether itself. And that is the medium that is being agitated by the magnetic component of the wave, right? And then also the vertical electric component. So you can think of it that way. Yeah. So yeah, the energy is fucking everywhere all around us all the time. And it's definitely tappable. And if we did that itself, that would revolutionize everything, everything. I think that would actually remove this whole, um, I got to get mine component because it would just be there'd be enough for everyone you know and i think what a lot of uh you know people their their complaint about this kind of thinking is that it's boring (laughs) Mm. you know like if you don't measure how badass you are then how do you know how badass you are you know Mm. (laughs) and if there's not someone losing then how do you know you want you know Right. And, but that's this whole, uh, that's how our artificial society runs. It runs off of that principle itself, right? right. That loss actually creates winning. <laughs> mm. That one is required for the other to exist, you know, yeah. in this system that we have. And that's the big lie. Would you say, um, you know, in a system where, you know, we have to rebuild, you know, some sort of security force? or uh, firemen, like, you know, all these roles, paramedics, um, I guess, do you think uh, crime would go down inherently, um, or I guess, theoretically speaking, and looking at it, um, just based on, um, you know, almost like karma becomes more relevant and in your face of, oh, if I continue to rob someone, someone's probably going to come after me and rob me too. And, you know, it would just even itself out in a way, or there would be a need for, you know, security in these things. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I think desperation a lot of times leads to crime, Mm. you know, and I think the analysis that everyone is missing on this whole squid game phenomenon. I still watched it. (laughs) So Everyone's talking about, oh yeah, that fucking South Korea has has a whole um, hierarchy of capitalistic structure just like we do. How come we didn't know that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what people are talking about. It's like yeah. uh, actually, it's it's a showing you that people um, are going to make sure they're going to survive mm-hmm. if it comes down to them or someone else. If you put right. someone in that situation, doggy dog, this is what's what happens right and so this is why we want to avoid the you know the complete collapse right right because this right the that shit comes out yeah um, at that point and so if you alleviate the desperation right and so if you have something like an an energy device that was for all intents and purposes free yeah 
that would fucking go a long way to reducing the desperation that we see everywhere, you know? Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, I think what we find here is like we have um, the left wants to do this um, kind of social, uh, uh, socialist kind of thing, right? you know, and the, the right. And so we have the right uh, doesn't, right, is, is not into that at all, right? It's about standing on your own two feet, which is also really good. I'm not saying that that's not a thing, you know, right. at all. But uh, I'm also, it's what I'm getting at is that how both sides have an element of the truth, right? Mm -hmm. But now they're um, at odds with each other. So you can't take the truth from one side and the other and put it together because <laughs> mm -hmm. we have this dichotomy, you know? Yeah. And we're social beings, right? We have 6,000 years of, of becoming more and more specialists like more specialists at what we do, right? Because society is a giant kind of body in itself, right? And we all are uh, fulfilling the roles of its cells, so to speak, you know? Yeah. And <clears throat> so... So do you see compartmentalization as a good thing that we have these specified roles um, that... Um, no, <laughs> I actually don't. Okay. But so, but I it's like this is where that. we are, and we have the technology now to become generalists again, like our, which is yeah. our kind of our nature, I think. You know, being Renaissance man. Yeah, yeah, and not just that. Like even if you go farther back, if you think about a, you know, the hunter gatherers, right? They're doing all the things, right? Yeah. Doing all the things. There's very little. Um, um, division of labor right right but as we go right the division of labor gets more and more intense over time right mm. and with the industrial revolution it just gets fucking compounded to the nth degree right all right we become more and more fractured from each other but at the same time become more and more interdependent because mm. we can't survive without right the exchange you know so so do you think there's a healthy level of codependency versus unhealthy yeah. Well, so what I was trying to say is, is that in our, like already we're creative, right. And already each of us has this unique setup, <laughs> Yeah. you know, we're not, we all can't do we're, you know, we're all good at different stuff, you know? Right. And so we have to combine, right. This is mm -hmm. uh, unavoidable. We have to combine as a group. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I think, uh, like cooperation yeah, the, versus the division is a problem for sure. Right. The yeah. division is a problem, but it, it, it serves to show us um, our true nature. Mm. And that's something that Krishnamurti talks about. He's like, you have to understand the relationships that happen. And when I say relationships, I mean like how people interact with each other in all the ways, you know, and to understand that that's not you. <laughs> That's not who you are. It's it's negation is the 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 purest form of self help. <laughs> you know, we're we're looking at all of these the relationships uh, in society and thinking that's who we are, <laughs> right? And that's just the map. Mm. That's not who we are, right? Right. Our nature is something that is more fluid than that, less rigid. 
uh, more uh, analog, less digital, you know? Mm. Um, and you see that society does this step fucking pattern, right? The rhythm of society is a digital fucking right. <laughs> pattern because digital you see right it, now, yeah. Because you can see it is like basically it builds up and builds up um, all of this imbalance and then it collapses, right? And that's like a vertical line straight down and then it right goes up. Mm. And so it basically it's a discontinuous uh, line. Um, where everything is kind of combined into one. Are you, are you seeing what I'm getting? It's like yeah. the way society runs is unnatural because it's this uh, build, 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 crash, build, 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 yeah. crash. <laughs> you know? Build and destroy and building and yeah. destroy. Yeah. Whereas an analog, more of an analog idea would be it's like, it's, it's, it's you know, it's like this, right? As opposed to, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So we can take all of our technology, right? And it doesn't have to be abandoned. Um, but it requires these captains of industry who think they own these things, they mm. own these machines, own the robots, right? To understand that without the thousands of generations of humans that came before, that shit wouldn't exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's my point is, is like we're social, right? We are connected. We are inter interdependent. Mm. And we can't fucking deny that aspect of ourselves if we want to like uh do it right you know i don't want to be right i want to get it right we got to get this thing right you know yeah and so all this talk inside the game all of all the little details and all the little things and this and that it's like it's just um it's hamster wheel yeah just so we need to get the same down. cycle over and over again yeah and we'll be at it again you know except this yeah. time it'll be now it may not be fucking recoverable because if we all get put into like a true fucking simulation, right. right. Then it's done. You know, then yeah. uh, we're in stasis, right. It's almost like a video game in the sense in that way, because the games and the character, the NPCs in video games, the NPCs, they just stay the same. <laughs> right. They don't grow. Yeah. They don't, they don't Reali learn. have self-realization. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I just said that they don't learn. So I think that's our nature, right? Mm. Our nature is to learn. But the only way to learn is to never say what we know, mm. right? <laughs> never thinking you know? about it all figured out. Yeah. It's yourself. that Zeno's paradox. Yeah. You drop a rock, yeah. it goes halfway to the ground, right? And then half that distance, then half that distance. And theoretically, it never touches the ground. Right. We're only ever approaching it. We're only ever approaching it. Yeah, to the to the level you get to think you're a know-it-all. I mean that you're you're basically uh, you know xing out all new ideas that are coming in, and you're not take you're not taking in any new information because you're so constructed to this viewpoint that you've adopted as your own and your identity that it's like you're lost in it. You know, you don't know who you are at that point. Yeah. And so, and because everyone's being programmed to think that the truth is unavailable and everyone's entitled to their own truth, then it becomes about, again, right? It's like, even in the truth community, it, yeah. it, it's like, since we can't really access the truth, then it's, it's become a popularity contest, right? And so again, we're at the same syndrome again, right? Where truth is, is a popularity index. And so how do, we, how do we break that? How do we break that cycle? Right. Mm. And it's to understand really that there is an, a, there is an objective truth available. Yeah. But it's a general, it's a generalization, 
right? It is right. a macro view. You got to zoom all the way out. Mm. You know? There's nothing new under the sun, they always say. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was getting at it there is like, how do we get something new if everything is based on a followership, right? Mm. So if it's based on a followership, then it's based on what's come before, right? It's like, why is this guy popular? Because he's doing stuff that is tried and true, right? Or why is this, you know, guy, whatever, you know, I'm just, you know, making an example. Right. Um, but, right, so how do we actually move forward um, instead of just uh, turning this wheel more, you know, mm. as truthers, right? Because I think we're the ones who are like, yeah, look, look, look. <laughs> it's fucked, right. man. Right. Fuck. <laughs> but and it's, everyone's it's like, we got to stop it. We got to stop be, it. Be part and, of the problem saying that. Yeah. And, but okay, so um, we, uh, everyone makes that psychological transformation. Right, the realization it doesn't take time right it's just to realize it's this new sense of uh new definition of value right mm. which is that actually people living is the value right and it it grows non-stop and so that actually makes it so it's like if something is has a supply that's unlimited right mm. how is that valuable because everyone can have it. Exactly. I can't fucking sell that shit for a fucking right. price. Right. Yep. So no one owns life. Right. You can't control it at that point. The artificial authority is trying to claim they have the supply. Right. They own the supply of life and they're selling it to us. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're accepting the offer. So, so we got to get out. Um, so and, true. And so recognizing the truth like so we have to get out of all of this uh hashing out over the details <laughs> yeah i was right. just talking about that the other day the devil's <laughs> in the details that's where we get lost man it's like that's that's why religions combat each other it's like they're all they're all worshiping directions pointing to the same thing i would argue and you know they get lost in the details man that's where the devil lives is right in the details <laughs> Yeah, it's true. And that's what I see happening. I mean, it's still entertaining. Right. But, uh, you know, that's why I don't record every week. And then even I am hesitant to try to talk about the same things to try to like make it more clear. Mm. Because even the truth, and this is a general truth, which is basically is like, stop trying to preserve your psychological sense of self, right? Mm. Stop taking credit, stop taking sides. Like those, like those are the two things that make it pretty easy, you know? stop you know don't be afraid to die stop taking credit right because we're all doing this right yeah we're all doing this um and we're all in this together and stop taking sides mm. <laughs> because that actually the hermetic principles are actually to show us how uh civilization runs on an illusion right it's still yeah. it adheres to the same rules right mm. But it it uh um it forces us to to basically do this cyclic thing, either until we figure it out or until it destroys itself. It's like this failsafe the universe has built in, mm. so that this kind of uh, divided consciousness can't escape into the universe. You know. I love it, brother. <laughs>
this has been so much to take in, man. I, I I'm still thinking about you know things you've said five minutes ago, and <laughs> added on to those, added on to those. Like you go deep, man, and I, I Thanks, love man. what you're about, man. And I think you know if anything, you're provoking ideas to be provoked even more, and you know to dive deeper themselves for the listeners listening, like this is what we're all about here is just trying to pick each other's brains and come to new um, ideas and new ways we can uh, come to new solutions and um, conclusions, whatever it may be, just, you know, get to know who we really are. Yeah. Um, I have this idea that I was trying to do to build the, to pour ink into the veins of the original network, Mm -hmm. the original exchange network that human beings uh, were basically built up on before the um this period of time Mm -hmm. right with this artificial authority um so god damn it (laughs) was was it like trade and barter style um or or yeah is that not necessarily how you'd word it i mean yeah for sure um okay yeah yes okay so pour ink into the yeah so it was just an exchange of value whatever it was right and it adapted money was the thing that created a lot of problems because right. it's you need the flow right and so some chinese uh principalities would be like you fucking can't save money right. <laughs> it's against the law right <laughs> to actually take money out of circulation you know and then they had all once the you know debt jubilees too right Every 33 years, everyone, all of their debt gets expunged, right? That hasn't happened for hundreds of years now because they understood that that top heavy debt thing just makes it not work, right? Mm. Yeah, it makes it fail. But uh, um, the, the idea is, is that this original exchange is there, right? Um, and it, it could operate in a way that actually... Um, is based on the principle of abundance as opposed to the principle of scarcity, yeah. right? Um, <clears throat> and so the, I have this idea that um, um, because human beings are the value, right? That there is no value without us living, right? That is the exchange. People living is the exchange. Um, then we recognize that. And once we recognize that, then we are, we understand the true value, right? Where all the value resides in the exchange is in us. Right. Mm. And so these, uh, tokens, right. These, uh, fiat currency tokens, they're just a token of who we really are, you know? And like I was saying before, when you stretch and compress that token, then you're doing that to our lives, right? You're actually, um, changing the value of our lives, you know? Mm. Uh, So this freedom or living exchange would not have that effect in it, right? Based on abundance, yeah. Yes, but we have to be able to see the exchange, right? And to know that it exists. And so I did this weird idea. I was like, it's like a double reverse move, you know, where I'm going to create a coin that I call the uncoin and on it has written basically a definition of who you are. <laughs> mm. Right. And, uh, it's, um, 
it's the it's i call it the sovereign yeah sovereign right right? because we are all sovereign and one of the definitions of sovereignness is that you have um a currency right Mm. you have your own currency and every individual has that (laughs) right and it's not some um life force it's not some external thing right yeah it's you Right. Right. And it's everything that is all the pure potentiality of what could be possible with you living. Right. Right. And, and so everyone participating actually uh, increases the growth rate of value, like exponentially, it's just going to keep climbing. Right. Mm. So the more people that come in, the better, the more people that participate, the better, no one gets excluded. There's no hierarchy. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, the uncoin. This is what I want to do in order to pour ink into the veins of the original network. Is just mm-hmm. have everyone buy the NFT, right? Yeah. And basically, it's a ticket, <laughs> and um, it's like some people are making NFTs to create a ticket for future offerings of whatever they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But this is it, right. This is you. This is human. This is your ticket to being human. Right. Mm-hmm. And whatever income I get from it is just going to be built, it go towards building this uh, uh, hardware exchange network, right? This hardware fucking subscription, right? And this is how we transition from this system to a system that is basically ba- that is only based on the value of living, you know. Mm. So it's like a long way to explain. It's like a double reverse move. You create an NFT, right? That is your pass. <laughs> to humanity it's kind of ironic in a way sounds brilliant right? man so it's the uncoin man and un coin yeah un spelling okay. because you don't exchange it you just show it. it's basically it shows <laughs> like your intent to be a human being yeah. <laughs> it's like i will do no harm right oh, I, love it. I, I will only be creative mm. and i want to fucking work with y'all <laughs> you know I'm all about it brother yeah. And so that's what I'm trying to do, but I, I'm having, you know, it's like my situation is pretty, um, you know, standard model view of my situation is pretty poor right now. So I'm yeah. going to a jewelry show in Austin, right. That I somehow got invited to. And somehow I started making a bunch of jewelry instead of just doing with my other shit, like a couple months ago. So I have the jewelry to do it. Mm. but everything's in my jewelry. So I, I can't even afford to pay the gas fees to fucking put a NFT up, but uh, I have the, I have the uncoin in its uh, physical version, which is a silver coin. That's 0.72 ounces. Beautiful. Yeah. And it has it all right there. And it's uh, on my website, which is uh green night dot green. Mm. And then there's a, a button for uh, the store and then you just find the coin and it's just, it's just an explanation, right? It's, uh, it's a it's a token of who you really are, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the double reverse move, right? Mm-hmm. It's a two negatives make a positive, <laughs> yeah. right? That's the idea behind it, and it's uh, it's just me trying to do what I think it would. Everyone who has the 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 uncoin, right, um, is part of the original network is it shows your intention as being part of the original network right mm-hmm. and so that is then the exchange that it, it, we can jump to when we all shoot the moon when we all say i took all the tricks we're bailing on your bullshit we don't need you <laughs> right it's not necessary it. you're not necessary um 
And then, so then we can still, you know, doing what we do to be human beings, which is just going out there and enjoying the world and creating yes. stuff, and living yes, and brother. loving. Yeah. I, I, I would love to buy a coin brother and uh, get in on the action. Uh, I love what you you're doing and the ideas you're putting forth into the world. And, you know, I, I think you're onto something, man. And it, it really started to click towards the end. Like you're throwing a lot of shit at me. <laughs> it's hard to keep up, man. You're a brilliant dude. Like you're, Thanks, you're very well researched, man. Well, it's, uh, you know, I've been doing this since, uh, you know, I've always been a conspiracy theorist, I guess, you know, Yeah. but in like 2001, I was listening to NPR in, in LA. I used to listen to NPR all the fucking time. Yeah. You know, I was full lefty and this guy came on and he was like, look, man, like you're just defining the other side by fighting against it. Mm. So <laughs> he's true. like, this is that that's it. And I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> yeah, there it yeah. is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like i don't want to play either team <laughs> yeah so we can't play right that, yeah. uh, that's the biggest conspiracy right that white yes. moves first in chess mm. right they inverted that right if black means evil evil moves first and he's just waiting for us to move you're gonna mm. play you're gonna play and that's if we beautiful. play then we're in it man we're in it yeah that's well said, man. It's so relevant to the title of my show. Yes. <laughs> That's why I love it, man. Love Fucking it, man. Ascension. Just get off the board. Yeah. Get dude, off just the board. Playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our ideas are merging, man. I think, you know, we're meeting the right people at just the right times in our lives. And, you know, we're starting to click. We're starting to, you know, merge ideas and, you know, create the world we want to see. And I think, uh, that's why podcasting has been such a gateway for me to meeting so many people like yourself. And, um, it's just been surreal, man. It, it has felt like this abundant, uh, world you've, you've been talking about in all the episodes I've heard you on. Um, that's how podcasting has felt to me, like getting into it. You know, I had these preconceived notions and past traumas and past experiences of what this was going to be like of, you know, oh, they're not going to want to do business with me or, you know, who am I to think like I'm on their level or, and all this. And there's been none of that at all. And it's it's been very little ego and everyone's always like looking to help each other out and uh, build each other up rather than tear each other down. And it's it's really beautiful, man. And it's, it's great to see how much more viewership and downloads podcasts are receiving than the mainstream media i mean i yeah. think we're going through a revolution right now yeah. as far as how we take in information and the cool thing is there is like all those listeners right they're they're preparing to shoot the moon because they're fucking li just listening yeah right but they're not doing anything else mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but they're ready though they're just yeah. like i get it there's more of them out there than we think i think yeah way more i agree yeah. Um, yeah, I, I always ask my guests on my show, um, you know, do you have any daily, uh, spiritual practices that kind of keep, help keep you grounded throughout, you know, all the chaos you see going on? Yeah. I, uh, do Qigong every morning. Beautiful. And, uh, <clears throat> I've combined it with, uh, this, uh, the Merkaba meditation. Mm. Have you heard of that? I, I have, I ha have heard of that, but I, I don't know if you're speaking to one specific type of meditation or 
Um, well, it's the idea that our energy body is actually, it's more than just a torus. It actually has this geometric. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The our tetrahedron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Merkaba. It's like yeah. it's our energy body. And uh, so I do that and I think it really, really, really helps, man. I think most of us are walking around with our engine uh, turned off, mm. you know, and it like revs it up every morning, you know. And then I combine it by withstanding. I think Qigong standing, you don't even have to do any of the of the more complex movements where you just stand in the horse stance for 20 minutes. And it, it like strength, it gets all of your uh, juices flowing. You know, you yeah. like start to sweat and you're just standing there. And when you first start it, if you try to do 20 minutes when you're first starting, you'll be like shaken, you know, like your knees will be going like this back and forth and stuff. Right. So it's like, it seems really uh, like um, passive, but it's very, very, very active. And mm. uh, um, it's a kind of physical meditation, you know, because you're constantly thinking about where you're actually going inside your body and aligning it, you know, because mm. you want your spine to be as straight as possible, right? right? And you want your positioning to be just right. And so it's like, you can't, you can't not meditate when you're mm. doing that. <laughs> You know, I love it. <laughs> just getting so one thing Krishnamurti says too is like the only way to meditate is to not know you're meditating, right? <laughs> I love it. And so you basically you want to be in that state all the time. It's yeah. not like a separate state. That's the flow state. That's yes. what makes it so you can be most effective. You know. Yeah, you don't you don't have to be in low disposed to be meditating. <laughs> yeah, and then you're also not thinking at that point. Yeah. Right. So you don't need to think to be effective. You don't need to think to actually be who you are. Mm. I always use the, I'm a soccer player. So this is how I discovered this is as an athlete, you know, mm -hmm. is that you're fucking gone when you're on fire, man, you're not there. Mm. You like come back after and you're like, what happened? You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Dude, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just had to look up who Christian, Nerti Murti was uh yes I've definitely heard of Krishna Murti I'm I'm yeah. terrible with names man so I mean I, I'm not so great either yeah but this I, guy uh, heard some of his lectures and saw a lot of his quotes his book the urgency of change is I bought it recently so I knew about him too and I'm like yes yes Krishna Murti yeah. saving all of the shit that I see from him you know and all that but I read yeah. this book and he just really put it all in place for me because there's nothing to be done right? Mm. Everything is already in place, mm. right? There's no action to be taken mm. except to realize who you are. Remembering who you are. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll leave it on that, brother. <laughs> Everybody out there listening, you heard it for, here first. Remember who you are, love yourself, and uh, have that self-realization hit you. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all. Beautiful. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.